top of the morning, Dan and Amy, did you see Lindsay Lohan get the sentimentality slapped right out of her? This is, uh, this is great because it's, yeah, exactly. Such an example of, um, the left's emotion sans reason, facts, reflection. Lindsay Lohan is in Russia and she sees, um, a Pakistani family that, uh, uh, it was a Pakistani or Syrian. Uh, I think I it was Pakistani. Remember. We'll find out. Uh, Pakistani family, and she wants to save the children save the from children. their parents. Maybe they don't want to be saved from their parents. Uh, Maybe oh, she should mind her own business. No, it's a Syrian refugee family, right? Okay. So Syrian, that would make sense. Syrian refugees. Uh, she starts out. She's uh, you know live streaming this. She starts out by telling everyone. Uh, this is a family I met, a Syrian refugee family here in Russia. I'm really worried about. They really need help. And she starts talking to the children that are with their parents, sort of around their parents, and then following them. And then trying to take the children, what? at which point take the children. mom says, I don't think so. I will walk forever. I stay with you. I don't worry. Is he your son? From Pakistan. Don't fuck with Pakistan. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. I can never change. Yeah. What? what she what? Tr- she apparently tried to grab one of the boys, and then mom turned around and cold cocked her. Yeah, get your hands off my children. Right. Not your business. This is not your fight. This is this this is an example that provides probably- sort of the intellectual basis for the left's immigration policy, which is open borders. If Lindsay Lohan brings them back, then they're good to go. For more on this topic, particularly in the wake of some. Um, recent studies, including one from MIT, talk about uh, open borders uh, with Raheen Salam, who's the executive editor of National Review, and he's got a new book on the topic, Melting Pot or Civil War, A Son of Immigrants Makes the Case Against Open Borders. Rahan, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So uh, the uh, case against open borders, uh, this may be particularly prescient in the ahead of the midterms because at least before Kavanaugh, the number one issue for Republican primary voters was still immigration policy. And uh, last week, MIT released a study that suggests the number of uh, illegal immigrants in the United States is actually twice the number that's uh, more customarily reported. It's not 11 or 12 million, but more like 22 million, according to the MIT research. So uh, since this is a salient issue for a lot of voters uh, and you have the left making the open borders argument, what should uh, what are kind of arguments should conservatives be making? 
Well, first I'll say that that, uh, that study has been contested by a lot of folks on the right and the left, okay. so I wouldn't necessarily take it as the gold standard. But the more important point is that Americans, not just Americans on the right, but a lot of Americans at the center, also believe that we must have control over our borders. And they believe a very simple, straightforward idea, which is that our immigration system should serve the national interest and the interests of American workers. And there are some folks on the left who now see that as a crazily unjust and extreme position, and it's part of why this issue has become so contentious. That simple idea that our immigration system should work for us is now treated as some kind of controversial idea. And so uh, the left's position of abolishing ICE, not only is it a, not only should we have open borders, uh, we should uh, ensure such by eliminating law enforcement associated with it. You've hit the nail on the head. You don't actually have Democratic politicians openly saying, let's end all immigration controls. What you do have them say is uh, criticizing every single effort to actually enforce our real-world immigration laws and attacking every effort to strengthen those laws so that we don't have a huge number of unauthorized immigrants into the country. And also, there's this whole debate about the legal immigration system. There's this idea that having a system that is oriented around our national interest is somehow wrong. Well, how many you know legal immigrants should we take a year? Because the Trump administration has changed that. So, what do you, what's your opinion? The refugee number. The refugee number. They changed the refugee number. That's right. So I guess my view is when you look at public opinion, it's only a small minority of people who want to increase immigration. Most people say, let's keep the levels where they are or let's reduce them. But let's make sure that the people who come are able to make a contribution to society. They're not going to uh, depend on safety net benefits in order to survive, in order to lead dignified lives. Let's have a system that selects immigrants on the basis of their skills and contributions. And my own view is that that's a pretty sensible approach. But again, it's become extremely controversial merely to say that we have the right to choose the immigrants we select. Well, the other uh, the other way to to do this, too, or at least to um, offer into the conversation is, hey, I'm all for people coming here to make a better life for themselves. I'm all for people uh, coming here who are escaping political or religious persecution. That's the difference between America and the rest of the world. So here's the thing. Uh, You want to come here and uh, you're intent on making a contribution and uh, making a better life? Great. Just prove it by signing uh, a a waiver to to any access to welfare state benefits. What would be wrong with that? You know, there are a lot of folks who have advanced those ideas over the years. In the mid-90s, we passed legislation that was designed to limit access to benefits. The tricky part comes when these immigrants have children, right? Because the idea is that, look, you know, we might say that you can say, I'm not going to get access to this benefit, but the children are invariably going to get access to the benefits because we don't want to see to it that those kids grow up without, uh, you know, the basics, uh, without access to public education, without access to the food they need and what have you. So that's why I think that when conservatives make that argument, let's open the borders, but just make sure that they don't have access to the safety net. I don't think that usually works because five, 10 years later, that agreement breaks down. Well, wait a second. I, I'm, um, yeah. I, public schools are not the welfare state. I mean, I think you can oh, yeah. you can distinguish public schools from the welfare state, number one. Number two, nobody gets denied access to an emergency room if they have a health care emergency. But you're, but, you're, that but, but, but you're also, you're, yep. you're, you're allowing people in on the predicate that they're waving off these benefits. So they're 
their legal residents that don't have any entitlement to entitlements. Uh, it seems to me that you could you know, draw bright lines around that. Well, unfortunately, we've tried to draw bright lines around that, and it never actually works. That's why there are a lot of folks, including President Trump, including Senator Tom Cotton, who said we need to select immigrants in part on the basis of whether or not they can support themselves. Rather than admitting immigrants who can't support themselves, they might sign this waiver. But in the end, what's going to happen is that agreement is going to break down. Mm -hmm. That's what happened in the 90s. That's what's going to happen in the future. When you have very poor people in the country, people do not want to see them go hungry. That's why you need to control the system from the get-go, from the beginning, yeah. and say we're going to select people who can support themselves. And open borders, you know, you wrote in your book, tend to stir resentment from taxpayers, correct? That is 100% correct. And not just from taxpayers, but also from earlier immigrants who feel as though, hey, wait a second, you know, we are now the ones who are facing this new competition. We're the ones who are facing new competition also for access to benefits in some cases. They might want to reunite with their families. But the tricky part is when you have completely open borders and drastic increases in low-scale immigration, that becomes a big problem for the folks who are already trying to get a foothold, trying to enter the middle class. Uh, I wanted to get your take on this uh, interesting piece in Time magazine. That's not something I routinely say. Uh, (laughs) Inside the Republican plan to win Hispanic voters in battleground states. And it's a profile on the efforts by um, Rick Scott in Florida and uh, Martha McSally in Arizona to appeal to Latino voters in states with uh, sizable Latino populations. And uh, sort of pointing out, at least right now, both of their Democrat uh, challengers uh, an incumbent in uh, Rick Scott's case, an open seat in uh, Martha McSally's case, are underperforming Hillary Clinton's Hispanic voter total from 2016. And I wonder if um, if you think there's a real play for Republicans to flip the script with respect to Latino voters nationally, not just kind of in these specific races in these specific states. I think there absolutely is. Number one, most Americans, including most Hispanic Americans, want to be addressed as citizens, uh, as folks who are trying to make a living and trying to get ahead, rather than as members of this or that ethnic group. That's why this book is called Melting Pot or Civil War. Most of these folks, they want to be included in the mainstream. They want to be seen as Americans. And when you have the Republican Party speaking to people as uh, Americans and to their interests as Americans, I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people. People, including a lot of Hispanic Americans. So then rather than Republicans make a mistake when they start from the premise of the left's identity politics and categorize everybody by these uh, uh, you know, artificial uh, uh, categories, I mean, just based on your sex or your religion or your ethnic heritage, they should be uh, doing quite the opposite to contrast the choice between that balkanized politics of the left and the unifying politics of a melting pot. That is 100% right, but it's also the case that the right shouldn't get drawn into this rope-a-dope strategy. What happens is that when the left uses identity politics, sometimes people on the right are tempted to use identity politics too. And there are a lot of people who feel as though, look, don't insult my group. I might be open to your voice. Uh, I might be open to your perspectives, but just don't try to insult me on the basis of ethnicity. That's a mistake that some folks make, but I think that the core conservative message that we want a melting pot, we want all Americans to thrive, that message sells. He is Rahan Salam. He is the author of the book Melting Pot or Civil War, A Son of Immigrants Makes the Case Against Open Borders. You can also catch his work at National Review, where he's the executive editor, nationalreview.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with the book. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And he joined us on our turnkey.com.